Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this episode, we dive into the weeds of the central question of Romans. Are works required or is faith enough on its own? The problem with works as a standard is that it creates a false sense of control. We become dependent and proud of our own capabilities, and it leaves room to judge others. But Paul's opponents point out that faith alone makes the law meaningless and promotes bad behavior. Paul defends his side by arguing that obedience through faith is a fulfillment of the law. So, so the bad guys, who are the bad guys? They're Jews. So you got Jews, leadership, the leadership on both sides are Jewish, and they're fighting over the Gentiles. Okay. Which makes sense since this fight is about what the Gentiles need to do, or if they need to do anything, yeah. Exactly. So we go to chapter two here, and he he starts off by introducing the um, by introducing the bad guys. He says, Therefore, you have no excuse. Now, he's just gotten through talking about um, God, uh, how God pours out wrath on unrighteousness, and so God is the judge. He, he presents God as the judge. We, we can come back to that. Just suffice to say, God puts wrath on unrighteousness. Now, why would he start with that? Why would it, given what we've said so far, why would it make sense for Paul right out the gate to say, God pours his wrath on unrighteousness? Because what's, what's the accusation? That we should just be as unrighteous as, as we possibly can so that God might be more uh, esteemed when he comes through. Exactly. So if he starts, that, that's the context in which this letter arrives, that that's the accusation. The very first thing he says is the gospel is about being righteous. And you get righteous by walking by faith, which is contrast to what? Following their rules. Mm-hmm. So right off the bat, Righteousness comes through faith, from faith to faith, all the way through, not just not just at the beginning, but all the way through. And what they're saying is it's at the beginning, but then you got to add this other stuff. So he starts off with the big contrast, and then he says God's wrath is poured out on all unrighteousness. He's blowing away their allegation right off the bat. And then he says, therefore, because God pours out his wrath on unrighteousness, you have no excuse Every one of you who passes judgment. So the bad guys are the judgers. Now, what is passing judgment? Well, it's basically telling someone you're not doing the right thing. Exactly. And in order to tell someone you're not doing the right thing, what do you have to be? What do you have to be comparing them to? Either yourself or a standard. A standard. A rule. Who made the rule? Always. Men. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, not necessarily, could, but the standard is always set by the accuser. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if the rule, even if the rule's made by somebody else, it's been incorporated and interpreted such that I'm now powering over you. Right. That that's what we do all the time. Yeah. So now, so now the accuser, the accuser, that's the bad guys, the accusers. And why do you accuse someone? Well, I mean, as a human. I think first and foremost, because you think they're guilty. Okay. Uh, but what are you trying to accomplish when you accuse someone? I mean, you're, uh, you're trying to control them in a sense. You're trying to get them to do what you want them to do. You're trying to get control of them, right? 
And that's what this whole thing is about. Who's going to be in control? Just like every political fight. These guys are saying, you have to obey my rules or God's going to condemn you. Well, who's standing in the way? God condemns no one if they believe because Jesus took on their condemnation. Right? So he's taken away their control mechanism because they, they're making the rules and now nobody has to obey them anymore. So it's an extension of the certainty thing that we talked about before, not just personal certainty, but I think control becomes this sort of like communal certainty. Like I'm going to hold the, the keys to the gate and you've got to come through me in order or my or the rules as, as I as I interpret them in order to be okay and be uh, accepted into whatever community. Yeah, and, and by virtue of the fact that I'm accusing, then then what I'm claiming is if I can accuse, then I can also acquit. Okay? If I can accuse, I can acquit. So I'm claiming authority. And so I can, I can condemn you because you didn't follow the rules, and I can also acquit you. So now you can look at me for your righteousness and for your justification. Which it makes sense when we talk about what is, you were asking, what does it mean to judge? If you think about just what a like the profession of a judge is the one who sits at the seat and you make your case and then they are the ones who can decide whether or not you are you know going to jail or whether you're going to be able to continue to to roam free. And we we already seen it once, but in in chapter three, God, uh, Paul says, "Well, how could that's a crazy accusation? Because then how could God judge the world? Who's Paul saying clearly is the judge? There is a judge. Who is it? Who's it not?" Man. These else. guys. <laughs> <laughs> so their condemnation is just. Isn't that interesting? These guys that are condemning, their condemnation's just. The condemned, the condemning will be condemned. Mm. Whoops. Thanks. Yeah. I mean <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's I think just like in a lot of a lot of instances, you know, in the gospels, you get this with the disciples, you're just like, How can they be so or mm-hmm. the Pharisees even? Um but, you know, it occurs to me that this is a temptation in my life. Like, I'm guilty of this. I, what we're basically talking about is the, the allure of the idea that, you know, I can play God's role rather than having to trust that he's doing it well. <laughs> Why do you think I can see all this? <laughs> yeah. I'm an expert at this. I'm an expert at being this guy right. who's a judger. Yeah, I'm sitting here thinking the same thing, like very convicted because I'm like, wow, this seems really arrogant, but I do it all the time. Well, and you're talking about this as a story where I think you, you watch a movie, you read a book or whatever it is. It's so easy to assume yourself into the, you know, to Paul's role or Priscilla Aquila, like to see yourself in in the hero's light. Um, but really, you know, the the villain in these kinds of things is, is a distorted hero, right? Mm-hmm. It's someone who thinks they're... They're playing the hero role, but what they're trying to do is not just be the hero of a story. That's one thing. They're trying to be the god of the story. That's mm-hmm. something else entirely. Yeah, that's well said. Worth putting in as a parenthetical here. So how did me, who is one of these judges by nature, I'm really these the bad guys in this in this story. I'm an expert at it. I was I was I was born with incredible skill to do this. What they're doing. What what really hit me is there really is a judgment and I'm going to stand before it mm-hmm. and I'm my deeds are going to be judged will have nothing to do with whether I'm in God's family or not that was given has everything to do with whether I was a good steward 
of the gifts he gave me. I'm going to I'm going to be judged. So I came to grips with that, and that's ever before me. It's on every page of the Bible, but I couldn't see it. And so I came to see it. That's number one. And then number two, I saw in the Sermon on the Mount, judge not that you be not judged. For whatever judge, whatever measure you use to judge others, whatever, rule, whatever your rule book is that you use to condemn other people, that is what I'm going to use to judge you when you get here. And I looked at that and I thought, I am hosed. Yeah, that's terrifying. <laughs> I'm hosed. I'm going to be killed when I get there because I have a really thick rule book and I apply it to other people routinely. So you know what I did? Started tearing pages out of my book. <laughs> of what you hold, what, what you yes. hold over other people. Yeah. Yes, because you know what I want when I get to the judgments? I want, I want Jesus to say, hey, would you go get that uh, book for Tim that he wrote? They said, we can't find it. It doesn't have (laughs) any pages on that. Yes. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's the standard I want to be held by. You know, that whole thing (laughs) makes me think of the the verse that talks about fear of the Lord being the beginning of wisdom and the idea of like, I think that there's a certain amount of, maybe it's just intuitive for all of us that we're going to stand in judgment one day. And that's a terrifying ordeal. And so what we do is we try to get ourselves out of that and we try to deflect by becoming the judge ourselves. Like we try to take on that role to try to excuse ourselves and to try to get some mental gymnastics to get away from that fearful reality. When the truth is, if we can kind of accept that reality, it's the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of understanding like, okay, that doesn't have to be something that's like terrible. It just is a call to stewardship. I would just say for me, I would never have been capable of that had I not first come to understand Paul here that the acceptance part of this was wholly given. If my acceptance depended on my performance, then I have to have a rule book and I have to judge other people or else I've got to despair. There's only two choices I have. Mm -hmm. But once I got to the point of like, okay, I'm bad, it doesn't matter. Jesus took that. So that part's done. I don't have to worry about that anymore. It now gave me the ability to do what you just said and say, okay, now let me just embrace reality as it is. Because I don't have to, I don't have to make up a story to myself that I'm going to be okay. I just believe I'm okay. Jesus did it. That's good enough. Mm. Right? Jesus is good enough for me. I don't have to add anything. Well, and you mentioned this a little bit earlier, the Paul and his you know his team of good guys like sort of trying to separate this idea of acceptance and approval and i think maybe the hang-up for the bad guys in the story is that they're inter- interlocked they can't they you know they're having a hard time separating those two so h- how does paul go about you know talking through those 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 two separate realities and what are the differences between them well, that's a, that's, question. A, that's a great question, but may, maybe a first question we might look at is just these 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 guys, everyone who you pass as judgment, what was Paul's basic accusation at them? Okay. And, it, and, it, and, it, and the bottom line is this. You don't keep your own rules, and everybody knows it. Now, if you're in a political pamphlet, that's pretty powerful, right? Mm. These guys who are judging you, they don't keep the rules. And, in fact, he kind of... Um, well, it's not only a powerful argument just within the discussion, but it's also in alignment with the Sermon on the Mount, the verses, yes. some of what Jesus said, where 
basically what Paul is saying is like your rule book that you're uh, building for yourself, you're not going to hold up to it. And we find out they're Jewish in verse 17 of chapter 2. But if you bear the name Jew and rely upon the law and boast in God, so, so we're now describing the bad guys like, we have God, you should listen to us, right? Yeah. Typical human thing. And know his will and approve the things that are essential being instructed out of the law. So this is their list of all of their credentials, right? And are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind and a light of those who are in darkness, a corrector of the foolish, a teacher of the immature, having the law, the embodiment of knowledge and all the truth. You that claim all this, you therefore who teach another, do you teach yourself? You who preach that one shall not steal, do you steal? You who say that one should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? And what they would do is like, well, I divorced and then I remarried, you know. So you who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law through your breaking the law, do you dishonor God? And then he quotes an Old Testament verse. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because it of you, as it is written. You want to know the, you know what the part of the Bible that applies to you? This, God's being blasphemed because you don't follow your own rules. For indeed, circumcision is a value if you practice the law, but you're not a practicer of the law. You're a transgressor. You know, that's a 15 cannon. Yeah. <laughs> blows them out of the water. Do you think, is Paul here trying, like, maybe I should ask it this way. Uh, who's the audience for Paul's pamphlet? If we got good guys and bad guys, who, who's he? The, the good audience? guys. The good guys. Yeah, he's, he's trying, trying to enforce them. Yeah, he's trying to keep the good guys from getting sucked away by these bad guys. Because, I mean, it would be alluring, right? I'm, I'm the good guy. And all the, looks into all those claims. I'm a guide to the blind. I'm a light to those who are in darkness. I'm a corrector of the foolish. I'm a teacher of the immature. I have the law. I have knowledge. I have the truth. And those are pretty bold claims. And they may have had, you know, more credentials than Priscilla and Aquila, the tent makers. I'm the professor and they're just tent makers sort of thing. So if we go back to the acceptance, approval, and the, that confusion, uh, basically what Paul is saying here in the, in the verses you just talked about is if these are the things that are required for acceptance, nobody's, nobody's nobody can get there. Accepted. And, and guess what? At this point, you could say, well, isn't Paul doing the same thing they're doing? Right. Isn't he judging? And here's what he says in, in verse 9 after, after he talks about being slandered. He says, so 3.8, why not say, as we're slanderously reported, and as some play we say, let us do evil that good will become, their condemnation is just. That, that's pretty curt. The next verse, what then? Are we better than they? Not at all. I got the same problem. For we've already charged that both Greeks, Greek, Jews and Greeks are all under sin. And as it is written, now he's using the scriptures. There's nobody righteous, not even one. There's nobody that understands. None of us know how to seek God. We've all turned aside. And then the famous verse is what he, for all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. Me, them, you, none of us can measure up. That's why Jesus died. Yeah, we have to accept the grace. That's right. That's why we have to, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in rules performance behavior comparison no being justified through the i'm oh, sorry through the redemption which is in christ jesus whom god displayed publicly as a propitiation a payment a redemption payment in his blood through faith i'm in the same boat as they are 
What they're doing is telling you something that isn't true. Yeah, I mean, talk about a cannon blast. It's like the the the, the charge of hypocrisy and the, the condemnation is one thing. That's that's curt and direct and powerful. But then the, for Paul to come on the other side and say, also me, you know, like <laughs> it just takes away that, you know, that clear kind of reciprocity and the back and forth and from turning us into a badminton tennis match of everyone just hurling accusations. He's like, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm right there with you, which is why this is so important and so central. And so in a way it, it's, uh, you know, it, it makes it relatively clear that Paul is, he's not getting into this petty thing to try to defend his brand or something. He's trying to work towards, uh, you know, the clarity of, of the gospel message and what it can do for people's lives. Exactly. He's trying to keep these people free because the, what these other guys want to do is get them under their bondage. Yeah. And he wants to keep them free. And he goes on. I mean, this was this death on the cross was to dim, I'm in uh, 325 now. This his death on the cross was to demonstrate his righteousness. So we're talking about how to be righteousness. Well, is it by following these guys' rules? No, it's getting it from him. Because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed for the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So you want to be justified? There's two ways to do it. Self-justification of comparison we all do that, right? Mm -hmm. You know what that's worth? Zero. It's just a boat anchor. But you know how you can get justification? Christ. Through faith. So that's, that's, that's the essence of this whole dispute. Yeah, and then he says in 27, I'm just looking at it, you know, where then is boasting? <laughs> Which I, I mean, yeah, I, I think this is one of the essential uh, struggles that people have with the gospel message even today is uh, it, it takes a certain reorientation of your whole paradigm of life because you're, you've got to move from this like, well, how do I elevate myself? How do I, in a sense, what it is, even though we, this language is strong, is how do I become God? How do I get control? How do I get people to worship me? Um, and if I, if I were able to do that, I, I could obviously boast and be, you know, be proud to, to be in that spot. And we're constantly, I think, trying to trying to get a little bit more of that in our lives. And what Paul is saying is, where is your boasting? And I, actually, I, I don't know, maybe you can correct me as this, but even as I'm talking through it, it's like not just, he doesn't, I mean, it's not that there isn't boasting. The boasting is in Christ. Well, it's real interesting. We do want to be like God. Who put that desire there? God does, yeah. God put the desire there. Can we be like God? Well, yes, we yeah. can. We can be like God. Because Jesus says, if you overcome, as I overcame, I will give to you to sit with me on my throne. Now, we can't be like God in the sense of his nature uh, and, and uh, omnipotent and independent and things like that. But we can be like Christ in his suffering. And, and what Christ has said, if you will suffer with me and serve other people in love, then I will give you the same reward that I got. So we can be like God in the sense of God became man, and as man was elevated, we can be like we can be like him in that respect. We can't be God, 
but we can be like Christ. That's what we're called to be and get the same reward as Christ. So that that does that desire can can be fulfilled through service and love and obedience. What Satan wants us to do is follow his way and say we will command it and demand it and power over others. It's self elevation as opposed yes, to Jesus it, saying, No, I'm going to elevate you because you have been obedient. Yes. If if we will humble ourselves, God will exalt us in due time. Okay, so trusting, we all want to be exalted. And the whole thing is, if you'll do what I ask you to do, I'll do that. Do you trust me? If the answer is no, then try it your own way. See how it works. Well, we also don't like the idea of in due time. We want no. it now. We're instant yeah. gratification people. And so, like, I can get it if I just take this shortcut and mm-hmm. do it myself now. And I don't have to wait. Well, and Jesus said, if you overcome as I overcame, one of the things he overcame was temptations of, of the devil, one of which was, why don't you shortcut this? Mm-hmm. I'll give you to be uh, over the whole world, which again tells you that Satan got reinstated after Adam fell. I'll just give it to you if you'll bow down and worship me. And Jesus like, I'm going to get that anyway in due time, but I'm going to do it my father's way. Yeah, I think one of the, you know, the, the desire uh, for my best, for my own personal elevation, um, is not a not a bad or wrong. That, like you're saying, God created that, and it's, that comes from God. I think the you know the tricky part in the the whispers of Satan or the flesh in our lives is is trying to we we think that that in order to get my best, my absolute best, my absolute highest level of elevation, I've got to be separate from God. I've got to be independent from God, which is the big, you know, the big lie in a sense. It's like the truth is we come alongside Christ. We partner with him. That is in our best interest. That is what we most really want out of life. That is how to live the life that we're truly after. Does it sound familiar? This, and when I phrase it this way, does this sound familiar? Does God really know what's in your best interest? Who said that to who? Like the serpent said that to, to even the garden, right? It's the yeah, it's the original, you know, temptation, the, the original sin. And if it works, you keep using it, right? Right. Yeah. So I think I think that um, Paul here is is blowing these people away, but he's blowing himself away too, and just saying we're all we are all in this same boat. So why don't we get real here? That we can't do this alone. But then, then what he does is he starts in on, okay, it's Jew versus Jew, right? So let's start with Abraham. If you, if you got Jew versus Jew, how about Abraham? He's the guy of faith. What did, what did he do? He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Was it, beca- was it because uh, he did some works? Nope. Nope. The law came 400 years later. Didn't have anything to do with that. Circumcision came 17 years or whatever it was, you know, dec- decade plus later. And so, you know, and then he quotes, um, he quotes the Bible uh, multiple times there. But he quotes a psalm like, "Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered." It's it's grace. So he he argues it from the standpoint of Abraham. So these guys are all big Jews and everything and know the law. Let me use the law 
and the main hero of the faith to prove that they're totally wrong. Yeah, yeah. it occurs to me that the law, the scripture, as they have it, is just such a central part that uh, another strong thing that Paul is, is trying to do here is say, like, this isn't a complete, like, this isn't about ignoring the law. This is how the law is actually fulfilled because mm-hmm. I think that's part of you know that's embedded in the accusations that that they're making is like what's the point of the law which is a strong argument for them to be making because mm-hmm. the law is everything is so powerful to uh, to them at at the time and and Paul has come along saying this isn't about ignoring that throwing that out the window this is how the standards of the law are met. Thanks for listening to the Yellow Balloons podcast. If you want more information on adopting a God-centered perspective, visit our website at yellowblooms.net. And if you have any questions related to what you just heard, we would love to hear from you. Please email us at contact at yellowballoons.net. Thanks for listening.